So first of all, I have to recognize that my brother is here. Yeah! <laughs> Thank you, Tim. I appreciate you injecting the testosterone in that moment. <laughs> With his friend, Dar. <laughs> but that's important to me and special to me. And so you guys make sure you treat him well. And her as well. I'll try not to cry anymore. This way, so my mom comes, you know, family comes, I cry. Alright, so let me pray and we will um, consider God's word. Father God, I do thank you for this time. Lord, time that is set aside that as your family we could gather and we can worship you. For this moment that we can slow down from the pace of life and we can stop and we can listen and hear your words to us. God, I pray that you would transform our lives. Holy Spirit, that you would work in us. That you would give us understanding and that you would move in us to respond. Loving you and loving our neighbors and drawing near to you and others. God, I pray that you would speak this morning through this story of Jonah, through your word to us that you would use it in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to continue this morning in the book of Jonah. And uh, remember, Jonah is unique in, in all the scriptures. There's no other book like it in the Old Testament or the New Testament because it's not the words of God through the prophet. But it's the words of God about the prophet. It's this story about God's prophet Jonah. And as I mentioned at the very beginning, Jonah is not a hero. Jonah is a fool. But that doesn't mean that Jonah is not following God. That doesn't mean that Jonah doesn't know God. But in this story, as we relate to Jonah and see ourselves in Jonah, we're going to realize that we are in a similar situation and that we have a similar response to Jonah. And so we should learn about God and learn about ourselves as we walk through this story. And so Jonah was physically on the run. He's running from God. But ultimately he's running away from relationship with God. I know that no one here has gone down to Joppa and boarded a boat and taken that boat to Tarshish. None of us has, have physically done that. But all of us either have, either are, or will relationally run away from God. We run away from interaction with God. We run away from intimacy with God. That's what we do. 
And we should be able to relate to Jonah. And as we look at Jonah and what he is doing, his tendencies, his patterns, we should see ourselves. And remember I said Jonah is a fool. I'm not calling you all fools, but Jonah is a fool. And we should see ourselves in Jonah. So take that however you want. But how do we run away from God? How do we run away from intimacy and interaction with God? How do we avoid Him? How do we avoid His people? And how do we avoid those who God has a concern for? Did y'all consider that? Did you take time this week? Did you, did you actually consider how is it that I personally run from God? Did you ask others about that? Did we try and apply this word so that we would be different, that we would be changed? We have to consider how we run away from God. But as we continue in the story, I think it's important also to consider in the first place, why do we run from God? Not just how do we run from God, but, but why? Why are we running in the first place? Why is Jonah running in the first place? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, because in our sin of selfishness, our sin of self-focus, we have prioritized ourselves above God, and we have damaged and broken that relationship with Him. And so we run from him. Jonah refused God's direction. It, it damaged the relationship. And so Jonah then ran from relationship. He ran from intimacy and interaction with this God that he was disobeying. This God that he would not believe in faith what God was telling him to do. And so he runs. The relationship is broken. And that's our pattern. We prioritize ourselves in some way, in some form, in some fashion. And with that relationship damaged, with that relationship broken with God, we run and we hide. As you look at the story of God, it's been that way from the beginning, right? In the garden, as sin came in, as sin occurred, then what was the first thing? They ran and hid from the presence of God. They knew that something was wrong, something was broken, and so they distanced themselves from God. And that's what we continue to do. We're in the same situation. And so as we continue, I want us to see and understand the why of our running as we continue in the story of Jonah. I'm going to go back to verse 3 and we'll go all the way forward to verse 5 today. Okay? All right. I'll read in English and then Grace in Spanish. It says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. 
So I want us to consider two things, okay? Two things as we run from God. As Jonah runs from God, as we run from God, two things that occur. The first is that we cause additional pain in life that must be dealt with. When we run from God, we cause additional, extra pain in life that must be dealt with. And second, when we run from God, we face additional, extra storms in life. But those storms can save us. All right, so I'm going to walk through those two ideas. First, running from God, we cause this additional, this extra pain in life that must be dealt with. So I want us to think about pain. Okay, pain is a clear indication that something is what? Something's wrong. Right? Something's damaged. Something's broken. Something's not working the way that it's supposed to. And it's a beneficial thing for us. Right? We, we need pain to be able to interact in the world, to be able to care for others, protect ourselves, to be safe. And we also have pain in relationships. Broken. Damaged relationships are painful and they alert us that there needs to be reconciliation. There needs to be restoration of the relationship. If you have not experienced relational pain, as I say many weeks, adios, you don't need to be here. If you've never experienced pain in a relationship, difficulty in a relationship, then this does not apply to you. Everybody's experienced it? Right? If you have relationships, you know pain. You know the difficulty that comes with it. But what happens in a situation, in a relationship, when there is pain and when there's difficulty, what is it that you can do? How can you respond? How can you manage that pain? How can you manage those symptoms? Anybody got ideas? Tim says get bitter. Bree says run away. Reconcile. Man, you guys just hit the three. Go ahead. And get even. Everybody steer clear of Tim this morning. <laughs> you know relational pain. <laughs> It's real. Amanda, Mac, yeah. <laughs> you, you already know it, right? Relational pain? Okay. They're about to be married. But, I forgot where I was. Oh, the three options, right? You guys hit them all. You can run. Give up on the relationship. I'm out of this relationship. This is too difficult. This is too much pain. And you pull away. You can uh, sort of try to manage those feelings, like Tim says. Get bitter. Get angry. Get back. So you can try and manipulate those feelings that you have, or either try and suppress those feelings that you have and just continue in the relationship. Or what Bree said. Oh no, what Marie said. 
you can seek reconciliation. You could actually go to the source and, and, and attempt to make right that relationship to repair what's been broken. And Jonah demonstrates, as you look at the end of verse 5, it's highlighted on the screen, that our shared tendency, our, our shared pattern that we have with him, when we run away from God relationally, there's pain, but we try to numb or deaden or desensitize ourselves to that pain. At the end of verse 5, you see that Jonah is in a deep sleep at the bottom of the boat. He's run away, and now he's literally out of it. And the original language here that indicates that he was completely unconscious. Unarousable, in a sense. It's the same word in, in, the, in the creation story that, that is used for when Adam is put to sleep, in a deep sleep, when the rib is removed, right? It's like anesthesia. It's sedation. It's like waking up my son, who is 14, in the morning when it's time to go to school. At 6.30, it doesn't matter how much stimulus there is in the room, how high the voices are, how many kids are running around, how many kids are in his bed, he's not going to immediately get out of bed. He's unarousable. He's in a deep, deep sleep. Do you guys know the picture? But then he gets up. And he's technically up. But from 6.30 to 7.30, I don't know that he's ever alert or actually awake. But he sort of stumbles, right? He stumbles from the bed to the bathroom. From the bathroom, takes a pit stop on the couch. And from the couch, after more waking him up, come on, come on, then he goes to the fridge. And then from the fridge to the table, and then back to the couch. And I hope at some point around first period, he's actually alert and awake. But I haven't been there to witness that. But once we are confronted with the, with the reality that we cannot fully avoid or fully escape God, even after we run from Him, we realize, I can't escape Him. I can't completely avoid Him. We begin to sedate ourselves so that we don't feel the pain of the relationship that's been broken. I don't want to be aware of, of the pain that my selfishness has caused. And so we try and manage that pain. And I think we manage in different ways. Each of us prefer different ways of managing that pain as we run from God and as we hide away. Now remember guys, I showed you last time as I run from God, I go to this corner, I'm going as far away from God as I possibly can be. I'm away from God, I'm away from you. And then, this is my position. What do you call this position? A what? A fetal position. I love a fetal position. That's what I like. That's how I deal with the pain. My daughter's 
taught me this weekend what a life hack is. Um, like advice for life. In a way that you can put it on social media. And they shared with me a life hack, luego, laughing at me. Este atajo, you can't be sad if you're asleep. Que no estar si estás Anybody relate to that? If I just remove myself, if I just go to sleep, sí, there's too much going on, I'm feeling too much, this is overwhelming to me, and the best thing for me, because, you know, I'm not going to go do something that's demonstrable before all of you guys, and you're going to see me in my issues and in my pain, but I'm just going to sort of withdraw and sort of be alone, and then I'm just going to go to sleep where I don't have to think about that anymore. And that's a healthy way. I'm being sarcastic. That's a healthy way to deal with it. You know, because I'm not hurting you, I'm not hurting me, and I'm, I'm getting sleep. I need sleep. And when I encounter an issue, when I am in a fight with my wife, I fight with my wife. My wife fights with me. Because we have relational pain. And when I experience that, it begins to occur, and I see that well, this is not going to be repaired quickly, and all of a sudden, I just become so exhausted and unable to continue this conversation with her. And I've just got to go to sleep. How do you numb yourself? How do you sedate yourself and handle this pain as you run from God? We can numb ourselves with religion. We can numb ourselves with church. We can numb ourselves with good works. We can numb ourselves with substances, with entertainment. We can numb ourselves with relationships. We can numb ourselves with our jobs, with our families, with the success of our children. Essentially, you can take anything that is good, anything that is bad, and you can use that as a way to numb this pain. Anything that you prioritize above your relationship with God, anything that becomes more important or as important as your relationship with God can, can be a numbing agent in your life. That you would be sedated and unaware and I'm just not going to deal with the reality of my pain because of the broken relationship that I know exists between me and God. So just because you're doing something good, don't think that you're not just avoiding and managing and numbing this pain. How do you deal with the pain in your life? With your relational pain? As you identified how you run away from God, you need to identify how do I deal with my pain. Jonah slept. Jonah passed out. But you could do it in a different way. 
And then we can get to a place in our lives doing this over and over and over again. Where we become so desensitized to the pain that we're just unaware of it. I just manage it. That's my life. I manage it. And I've gotten so skilled in managing this pain where no one else is aware that I'm not even aware of it anymore. And I'm just I'm unaware of the brokenness in my relationship with God. We can live in a state of conscious sedation. Right? That's what we talk about at the hospital now. It's, it's not good for someone to go completely under. Right? So you put them in this conscious sedation where they're awake. Right? They can sort of function, but they, they don't feel. They can't remember. They're groggy. And they can get through the procedure. And as I reflected, as I considered myself, as I considered us, I think that's mostly what we tend to do. We just live in this state of constant sedation, looking to other things to numb that pain and not looking to God. But the good news, sin is us running from God. But grace is God pursuing us. No matter who you are, no matter how you have run, no matter how you are running, or no matter how you will run, I can tell you that God is pursuing you. Jonah was a fool. Jonah turned from God and God pursued him. God is pursuing you. When you run from him, he pursues. And as we see in the story of Jonah, it's with this great love. But it brings a storm that Jonah has to face. But as we see later, it's a storm that can save us. God pursues us to wake us up. He pursues us to wake us up to the reality of our condition and He graciously gives us an opportunity to respond. He comes to you and you're living in this way and you're just trying to numb the pain. He says, wake up! Do you understand? Wake up! I want you to see the reality. I want to give you this opportunity. I'm here. I'm pursuing you. You can be restored. You can re-enter into relationship with me. I'm pursuing you. I desire you. And in Jonah's lives, in Jonah's life, and in many of our lives, many times, he uses storms. And I want to be clear that the Bible does not say that every difficulty we have is the result of sin, but it does teach that every sin will bring you into more difficulty. 
Okay. Uh, life is full of pain. Life is full of difficulty. See Hebrews, okay, that we walk through. Life is difficult. Life is hard. But if we run from God, the sin of running from God will result in more pain, will result in more storms. But God in His grace will use that storm to pursue you and to give you this opportunity to restore your relationship with Him. If we run from God, we will eventually encounter more difficulty. But it's clear in this story, as you read in verse 4 and 5, this storm is from God. Right? Even the, the, the sailors who are not religious can understand that this is a supernatural storm. This is not a normal storm. This is something that God is using to pursue someone. And they recognize it, but Jonah has numbed himself, is at the bottom of the ship, and is unconscious. And I think what's difficult for us as we read this story and as we try and place ourselves in the story is that Jonah ran from God and then immediately and dramatically this storm is directed right at Jonah. And I think his experience can be misleading and his experience in this story is told to be dramatic so that we would get the point. But normally, as we run from God, the results of running from God slowly develop. It's usually not that we run from God and then we immediately, immediately experience this dramatic result of our sin. This, this dramatic and intense storm in our lives that I sin today and the next morning it's, it's overwhelming what's going on because of my sin. That's just usually not the case. Usually it's like taking this pill that's just full of radio, that's, that's radioactive, it's full of radiation, Sorry. right? And you could take this radioactive, radio, I should have thought about these words. What am I taking? A radioactive pill. Okay? And you take this radioactive pill and you have no idea. No idea that over the next 30 days that's slowly going to spread through your body and destroy you. You take it. Maybe it's even flavored and it tastes pretty good. It was, it was cherry flavored. Mm. And you keep taking it. But slowly, over time, you realize the damage and the destruction that it's doing in your life. You realize the storm that now has slowly developed around you that you have caused from, because of your running from God. The question is, what are we going to do in these storms? Whether it's immediate, whether it's slowly developing, how will we respond? I can share with you this week be very clear that this is not in disobedience, but 
in this process, I have been disobedient. Okay? Fostering is a slowly developing storm. I'm being clear, we haven't moved into fostering out of disobedience, but as we fostered, I have been disobedient at times. I have run from God. As, as we sit around a table with people from the county, with people from the court, with the birth mom, and there is in complete chaos, and we have no idea what's going to happen literally tomorrow, and then this weekend, and then what's going to happen in two more weeks from court, and what's going to happen when we pick up the kids on Sunday evening, and how they're going to be, and how they're going to sleep, and what they're going to do when they go to school now, and how, how is this going to work? How is this going to work out? And, and, and this is so incredibly out of control. And I'm sitting here in the middle of this and I am emotionally overwhelmed and I'm crying and my wife is crying and then I'm sitting there in bed on Saturday morning just, I can't move and I just want to what? I want to sleep more. I don't want to move into what God has called me to. I just want to pull away. And then as I'm pulling away, I'm so frustrated because I start thinking about you guys. I've got all these problems that I don't know what to do with that are swirling around me. And then God brings to mind all of the difficulties and issues and suffering that many of you are going through. And I feel worse. I'm overwhelmed. In the middle of this emotional storm. And I confess to you that as we have done this over the last year and a half, over and over again, so many times, my tendency, my pattern is to run and is to hide and is to sleep instead of stopping and meeting God there in the storm. I got so upset at him Saturday morning. Like, what are you doing? I, I know that I'm preaching this because this kept coming to my mind as I'm laying there because I wasn't planning to preach this this week. I was going to preach it next week, but you know there was a fire, and so we're not outside, and so now I've got to pull this together, and then God has put me in this situation. I'm like, well, there's a great application, God. But I'd like to come up with a great funny story about someone else, not about the difficulty of me being in in that and experiencing that and my failure and my sin running away from God instead of trusting Him instead of realizing that it is by God's grace that I am in this storm and God in His grace wants to meet me in that storm and God in His grace wants to actually restore my relationship with Him so that I would trust Him so that I would walk with Him so that I would come to Him as He takes me through these storms of life only when we stop running and accept the remedy that God offers when we turn back to Him then we can face the storm it will be used for our good and for His glory He's pursuing us with 
And so as we see ourselves in Jonah, we've all run, we all are running, or we all will run. And God has pursued, God is pursuing, and God will pursue you. How we respond to these storms that can save us. We have to stop running. And we have to wake up. And we can stop running because Jesus fully experienced the pain that our sin, our running away from God has produced. Jesus came into that. He became one of us and walked amongst us and he experienced fully the pain that was a result of our sin, the pain that was a result of our running away. He did not sedate himself. He did not numb himself. But he instead, he took our place and felt the fullness of the pain as he died on the cross. And instead of running from the storm of God's wrath, he walked into the storm. And he was separated from God relationally and intimacy and interaction with God so that we would not have to be. His life, his sacrifice for us has calmed the storm so that we can stop running away from God. That situation is way different than Jonah. We live on this side of the cross. We live on this side of Jesus and the pain that he experienced and the storm that he entered for our sake. So to return, we just have to stop running. You don't even have to go back. Just stop running. Because God is chasing you. He's pursuing you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the story of Jonah that can that we can just we can understand that we can clearly see that it's not difficult and yet it speaks so deeply to who we are to our situation to our response God help us to see ourselves in Jonah Help us to see how we have run from you. Help us to see how we manage and numb our pain. And help us to stand in the storms. Not to continue to run, but to stop. And to trust you. (coughs) To be restored to you to be reconciled to you. God, I pray that you would do that in this body. That you would do that in this body. That you would give us that as a family. Give us eyes to see and give us strength and faith to believe. 
change us and transform us. That we would be intimate and interact with you. We could be in your presence. Thank you that you pursue us. In Jesus' name. Amen.